Every year, high schools all over the U.S. graduate the student who played the lead in lots of student production, who then goes on to major in theater in college. From that group, some percentage actually give it a whirl in New York City or Los Angeles to try and make it big. And some very, very small percentage of those people actually make their living by acting. That leaves an awful lot of people working some sort of day job, but whose high hopes never materialize. A few nurture the dream for a while, working a flexible job that leaves time for auditions. Others satisfy the acting bug through community theater and other creative outlets. Most just let go and live their lives. Then, there are the really rare people who have a day job in the corporate world that lets them do what they love. Welcome to Here's What I Know. In this episode, we talk to Tim Van Ness, a consultant and facilitator who employs an improvisational technique known as playback theater to help companies train their leaders, improve organizational effectiveness, and create a culture that promotes innovation. So let's hear what Tim Van Ness knows about making his passion pay. What drew you into acting? I don't know. There's something about it that I've always been interested in and and was in plays all through grade school and all that stuff and and in high school and college. So uh, there's been some sort of natural affinity there for me. You know, my father was a minister, and I was in in church school sometimes, and, and, you know, they, they had me playing roles like Jesus. What, what's your favorite part that you've played? It's kind of hard to top Jesus, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, Jesus is a 10-year-old. I know it's kind of funny, but, uh, you know, it's fun playing villains. <laughs> what part have you always wanted to play? Some villain that, like, particularly attracts you? Sweeney Todd, probably. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad this is a phone interview. <laughs> it's a great role. So. Well, and it's it's a musical, which leads into our next question. What about music? That's another love of yours, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, those, those two things seem to go hand in hand for me somehow. And I think I've also always had a love for music from when I was a boy. Uh, I focused on the trumpet through high school, and I also sang in choirs and all that through, you know, my all the, the grade school and, and in high school and all that stuff. And, was interested in musical theater. Um, and then when I got to college, I decided to focus on voice and also on theater. And actually found pretty quickly that it was almost impossible to do both. So um, I actually ended up discovering improvisational theater as a way of doing theater on the side, and I ended up focusing more on music education. What school did you go to? I bounced around a bit for a number of years, but I ended up in Boulder, Colorado, and graduating from the University of Colorado in Boulder. And and they didn't have an improv theater group there when you were there? Well, it was actually in Boulder that I discovered playback theater. Okay, tell us about that. Playback theater is a, a form of improvisational theater that's based on the enactment of personal stories and feelings. So an ensemble practices together and works in a in a performance setting to enact the feelings and stories of audience members. So it's a little different from comedy improv. Oh, and what about psychodrama? It sounds like psychodrama to me. The playback theater has been informed by psychodrama. Um, the founder, Jonathan Fox, worked at developing this form of theater back in the mid-70s in New Paltz, New York, which ironically is where I grew up. (laughs) And I actually didn't find out about 
playback until I was in Colorado. It's sort of like a Dorothy story. <laughs> you had to go far away from home to discover what's in your own backyard. Um, but Jonathan was interested and involved in experimental theater and um, this idea of the theater, a theater of the people, and and not focusing so much on script and on story, but the the stories of human experience are as interesting and dramatic as any script. Um, so the idea was, well, let's just get people to tell their stories and have actors enact them, play them out. And once he started doing this, he started realizing, oh, there's you know, there's some training and there's some experience that we should probably have to be able to do this well. And so he started studying with uh, Jake Moreno, who developed psychodrama. In playback theater, the, the teller is outside the drama. So mm-hmm. it gives the teller the opportunity to simply tell the story and then see others enact it. I see. I see. And then you get to reflect on that and say, oh, hmm, yeah, wow. How do they know how to do that? <laughs> well, a psychodrama is more in a therapeutic setting, too, or used for, you know. Right. Whereas it sounds like this, although it may be cathartic, it's not necessarily therapeutic. <laughs> Jonathan talks about playback theater having a redressive element. What does that mean? A, a, a Somewhat of a healing element or um, redressing wounds, as it were. But mm. Although when you first sort of explained it, the, the thing that came to mind for me was, hey, it's live theaters in form of a documentary. Huh, yeah. Yeah, it is kind of. And it's sort of the documentary of a group in a way, because in a performance there's many tellers. So you start to get a sense, and that's one of the fascinating things about doing playback, is you start to get a sense of who are the people in the room and what's making up this particular community. And you start to notice the link between the different stories that are being told and the threads that start to run through those different stories and feelings that people have about them. You took this whole idea of playback theater into the corporate world, or were you the first to do that? I can't say I was the first. I think the work that I've ended up developing has been somewhat unique. I started a playback theater company in western Massachusetts, where I now live. And after I formed this company, through the grapevine, I got a call from the director of the Family Business Center at UMass, the University of Massachusetts. And he runs programs and services for family-owned and operated businesses in the region and had had heard about playback theater from somebody who knew about playback and saw that I was doing it and, and called this guy up and said, you know, Ira, you should call this guy Tim Van Esk because playback theater is really cool and I know you've been interested in doing some kind of theater with your program. So he called me up. What ensued was we actually, through an improvisational process, we created a play that dramatized classic issues in family businesses. And at the end of the play, we would do playback theater for the audience to say, okay, well, so this is a story of a family business. How is this like your story? And what are the stories of your experience of being in family business and some of the challenges and and what are some of the feelings that you have about being in, in a family business? And what are some of those feelings that arise? And we enacted those. So we started using playback as a tool to follow on from a scenario or a play that we created that dramatized what was going on for the people in the room. And that really started the, the seed of, uh, of some work that's 
that's been a big focus of my life for the past 10 years or so now, using theater as a way of reflecting the culture of an organization. How is what you do now different from what you originally did for the family businesses? The work that I do now requires more research. So when I work with a client, I'll get a sense of what their challenge is and why they're asking me to come in or or what change process. There's usually some kind of change process that they're undergoing. And so I try to get a sense of what's the nature of the change and why the change and why now. And I, I usually do interviews as well to try to find out essentially what's the story of the organization as it is now. Mm-hmm. And is it the story that they really want to be telling? My work now is more about trying to understand that story and then using, again, I still use an improvisational process to come up with a scenario that's very, very loosely scripted that will end up dramatizing the truth of of what I understand to be the case, what I understand to be the story. And then use an interactive process with the with the audience to start to understand that story and say, well, so what do you what do you see? You know, when we play out this scenario, do you see yourselves reflected here? And um, and if so, what do you think? And then we can start to improvise on that and take some audience suggestions and say, well, okay, let's take a look at some some different ways that this might play out. The work is also very much based on the concept that that organizations have a lot of wisdom. Rather than being an expert consultant and coming in and saying, okay, so you know, we're an expert in strategy and this, we're going to help you figure out how to grow this business in the way that you want to, we come in as, as um, process consultants. Mm-hmm. So where and you are use you? the in, in, inherent wisdom of the group. Exactly. And and try to draw that out using theater as a tool of stimulating ideas and feelings and putting those ideas and feelings out into the room so people can take a look at them and saying, yeah, that's us, and okay, so what do we want to do about it? What needs to change? Well, what's the most dramatic change that that's taken place from in your work? I mean, do you have some a story? Do you have a story you can tell? <laughs> <laughs> Take a, a senior leadership team of a division of a uh, successful IT company. The leader of this team had decided to restructure the group, and they brought in another external consultant to look at strategy around how they were going to organize themselves from a from a structural standpoint and how that was going to impact a a shift in their strategy for going forward. And what what I did, what we did, was start to play out what that looks like, play at a dynamic of how is this team working together now and what's working and what's not working and how do they need to be changing how they work together in order to be able to operationalize this strategy that they've just come up with. And also just how do they feel about this new strategy and what is it going to take for that to be successful? And so we worked with them for a day or so. And by the end of the time together, they had a real clear vision of what this change looked like. And they had a shared language. Sometimes when something is so new and and such a big change, you almost don't even have the vocabulary to get across the point you're trying to make, right? Right. And and sometimes what, what theater can do is help create a story around that change, and a language and an image and a metaphor for the change. So everybody understands it at the same level. 
And it's also helpful not just language, not just how to talk about it, because oftentimes what happens, especially in a business setting, is people will sit around and they'll strategize intellectually and they'll think about what needs to happen and they'll talk about it. But until they actually feel it in their bodies and they actually start to practice it and they start to get the words in their mouth and and say them and behave differently, behaviors tend to not change. And that's, I think, one of the one of the unique value sets that I bring is that I can create an environment for people to practice it and get some feedback on it and see and let their peers feedback and say, does this work or doesn't it work? So I think that that seems to be really helpful from a lot of the people that I've worked with. They've really valued the opportunity to actually do it and practice it and get feedback on it and see other people doing it in a way that really works so they have a vision for how to behave differently. Another thing, and I just thought of this, Jerry was telling me today about this company that has a, a policy, this, this anti-gossiping policy, but um, it really seems like this is kind of a way to channel, like, the so-called rumors and, like, water cooler talk into, like, a kind of positive venue where it can do some good. There's a lot of focus these days around employee engagement, and there's some research that shows that the the most successful companies have a high degree, a high level of employee engagement. And what people talk about when they talk about engagement, they're talking about employees being committed to the organization, committed to the brand, committed to staying with the organization over a longer term, and giving 110%, giving perhaps more and working that much harder because they have a sense of how they fit into a, the larger vision of the organization. And there are a number of different factors on engagement and, and what helps people feel engaged. But a lot of it ultimately comes down to the culture that's being created within an organization. And that's what I tend, that's what I tend to, is taking a look at what's the story of how we are together, of how we behave together, of how we work together. And how do people feel? How are they respected? How are they treated? And how do they work with each other? And so theater and improvisation and the kind of facilitation that I do helps people take a look at, so how are we, what is the story that we're telling internally? How are we working with people to help all the employees feel fully engaged and fully excited about coming to work in the morning? So that when you end up facing the customer, that has an impact on how the customer feels. So employee engagement scores end up having an impact on customer satisfaction scores. And we know that customer satisfaction scores has also an an impact on the bottom line. What do you think about the importance of play at work? Do you think that helps us at work? Absolutely. And hopefully that's something that I bring to to what I do. It's certainly a, a value that is important to me in my organization is play. And I think organizations that are going to bring me in are probably going to have some sensitivity to the importance of that. Do you play at work? How do you, or maybe I should ask, how do you play at work? <laughs> how do I play at work? You know, there's, a, there's a way in which the nature of my work is play. A quote I like is from the movie Shakespeare in Love, where the Shakespeare character, and I don't know, maybe Shakespeare really said this, he said, the playhouse is for dreamers. I just kind of love that quote. So are you a dreamer? And if so, what is your dream path for your career? Every company in the world, every organization, creating a culture in which people feel truly valued and appreciated 
and heard and connected to what they're doing and what's important to them. And with leadership that is informed by an authentic connection with themselves as leaders and with the people that they're leading and with the mission and vision of the organization so that there's a connection point between all of those things. And my goal and my dream is that I am somehow able to be part of that process and able to influence and support organizations in creating that kind of culture and that kind of authentic connection with themselves and with each other and with the people that they end up serving through their products or services. Wow. How's that? <laughs> I like that. That's intense. <laughs> You're going to touch everything. Yeah, well, yeah. We're, we're, we're counting on you. <laughs> <laughs> you got to run for office. It sounds like uh, Barack Obama there. Right? <laughs> You'll change the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think we all have the opportunity to change the world in every interaction that we have with people, in every act and deed uh, and word. And a lot of it is about how we are with each other and how we treat each other and how we behave ourselves. And a lot of that has to do with what's important to us and understanding our own values and other people's values and respecting other people's values even if they're not our own. You seem very lucky to have a career that incorporates lots of the things that you love and get to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel very lucky about that. Yeah, so it's it's wonderful work. So are you getting enough playtime in your job? I'm not necessarily talking about playing golf or practical jokes on your coworkers, but maybe there's a way you can fit play in and see what comes out of it. And then there's the passion quotient. Of course, we're not all lucky enough to have a job that centers on what we love to do, but sometimes there are elements of what you love already there. If you've found a way to inject play into your work, let us know. Send us a note to podcast at mindpulseinc.com. That's podcast at M-I-N-D-P-U-L-S-E-I-N-C.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Here's What I Know, and here's to put in passion and play into your career. Thank you.